What's up, party people? This is pretty much my go-to intro at this point. Um, I'd like to start off this week's episode by apologizing to everyone that listened to last week's podcast. Um, Hopefully the content was great. Hopefully you ignored the sound issues. You know, sometimes you have a vision and a goal of what you're going to do and get done. And ideally, I was going to have all of this uh, this fall and winter's podcast episodes done, recorded, guests lined up, everything um, before we even launched. And uh, it just, you know, the cards did not fall that way. So I, I did a pretty good job at the beginning. Um, I think you know, first seven or eight episodes were all pre-recorded, pre-done, pre-edited, everything was ready, good to go. And now we've kind of gotten to the tail end and uh, it's been a little bit more difficult to get away and get some podcasting time. But here we are, we're making it work and I promise to do better. So uh, cleaning up what was an awful podcasting situation, what had happened is you know, normally I podcast, I have a little setup, um, that I have in my room, you know, microphones, uh, computer, the whole, like, um, uh, I don't, I don't actually remember what it's called, but the foam, you know, sound canceling foam and everything. And, you know, other times I go to an actual podcasting studio that's here in Reading and, uh, we'll record there, but you know, uh, my schedule, Woody's schedule, he was only in town for a few days and I really wanted to get him on. We've been, we've been talking for months to get him on the podcast and we lined it up and we thought, well, why not go get a coffee at the same time? And, and anyway, we ended up podcasting literally, uh, right outside theory coffee on Hilltop in Reading. So if you know where that is, um, or if you've been there, not the ideal podcasting place, uh, I just have to say it, um, pretty sucko, uh, if you ask me. And, uh, we went, you know, it was almost closed. I figured nobody's here. When we got there, there was nobody there. It was empty, but the, uh, you know, theory had music playing. So we thought, well, let's go outside on the patio. And, and I swear every, you know, human being, demon freaking, probably the angels were in on it too. You know, I don't know that they probably weren't, but uh, anyway, no, the whole whole point being just everybody showed up, every small group meeting known to mankind, every angry local and what, you know, what have you just, they all piled up. So uh, if you listened to last week and you're like, man, the content uh, is awesome, but I can't get over the static and stuff. Uh, apologies. I hope you made it through. And if not, welcome back. Hopefully today is back to uh, a good quality uh, sound for your listening ears. But today I'm going to talk about, um, really, I'm just going to share an experience that I had. Um, uh, this is a few years ago and, and I think that, um, it impacts me. I think about it a lot and, um, I actually have a tattoo that somewhat commemorates this moment. And so, uh, without further ado, here we go. So a few years ago, I am uh, a second-year student, uh, BSSM, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and here in Reading. And I am—I uh, go to school. It's middle of COVID. It's kind of the 
you know, near the end, we'll say the middle, it's in the very middle of COVID. And so we're kind of navigating this whole, like, I believe if I'm not mistaken, that when they started second year for me, um, you know, we had, I don't know, seven, 800 students in second year. They would only let half of us come to school like every other day. And then the other half went to school the other day. And then the day you didn't go to school, you were online. So they did this kind of like funky, you know, way of doing things, which, you know, God love you. They were doing what they thought was best and, you know, they were completely wrong, but that's fine. They, you know, in the moment they, they thought that that's, you know, that you should honor the city, honor the government, you know, honor all the, the fake agenda 11, you know, Nazis that, used a scamdemic to do their bidding, but, you know, and, um, so because of that, we, you know, we were privy to that and I never fell for the scamdemic. Um, you ask anybody that knew me day one of the lockdowns, I completely ignored it, challenged it from the beginning. And yeah, I wear that as a badge of pride. Not going to lie. Um, I have no sympathy for everybody that fell for it. Um, if you had somebody that died totally different circumstance, I totally get that being, uh, a tough um, situation for you and, and obviously having to walk through uh, death at any point is tough. But when it's to this disease that is being hyped up and told it's a million things, it's not like, you know, I get it. It's a tough time. But other than people dying, people that actually died, um, no sympathy uh, for, for all of you that, that fell for it and I love you. But, you know, do better next time and uh, don't fall for stuff like that. Stop believing your government when they tell you things. Uh, it's it's normally a lie. I don't know how people don't know that at this point, but there's still people that think, you know, 9-11 uh, was actually six dudes from the Middle East and not, you know, an elaborate ruse by the U.S. government to uh, drive up wartime money and create a sense of patriotism and unity that they could use to distill uh, all sorts of stuff. But anyway, back to topic and off my soapbox on the scamdemic. Second year, it's one of our days to be in school. It's like week one of school. And I, you know, I'm dealing with a lot. My house had just been deemed by the city of Reading. Shasta County deemed my physical house and my seven roommates or housemates as a COVID hot zone, which, you know, depending on where you're at, I don't know, you know, what your total grid is on that. But in California, at least the local health departments could deem you a hot zone. Therefore, you had to live by certain different rules than everybody else. So they deemed our house a hot zone. So nobody in my house was allowed to leave our house for 28 days, mandatory 28 day quarantine. Um, none of us were allowed to use the same bathroom, which I don't know who even imagined that would be possible when you have eight people living at one house. Like we had two bathrooms, like there was no, um, we could just use different bathrooms thing. And I don't know why they thought that that would be helpful, but you know, whatever. Um, so I'm like, we start that. I ignore it completely. I'm like, screw this. I decide I'm going back to Michigan. I'm nobody's telling me to stay home for 28 days. I'm going to get out of here. Went back to Michigan, found out, you know, you people in Michigan lived in 
a way worse hell than California had. Uh, even crazier lockdowns, even crazier laws. Gretchen, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West, Whitmer, just passing all sorts of nonsense. Uh, finding friends of mine for fishing on the lake by themselves with no one else around. You know, absolute insanity. And, uh, but before that, you know, I finished the first, you know, first days of school. Didn't tell anybody, obviously, that, you know, I'm technically a hot zone and, uh, you know, whatever, screw the government kind of thing. And I, it's the end of school. I'm going up to say something to my pastor. Her name's Mary Webb. Uh, hopefully get her on this podcast eventually. She's a mystic of all mystics. This woman uh, changed my life in so many ways, and I owe her a lot. And um very thankful to have her in my life in the capacity that I do. But I went up to say something to her and she, she grabbed me kind of, you know, like not like forcibly, but she just like put her hand on, on me and, and, uh, looked me in the eye and she said, ding dong, the witch is dead, which I know is kind of like so random. And it was, but I'm telling you, man, the second she finished that, she said, ding dong, the witch is dead. I fell to the ground immediately. And before this moment, it wasn't like a holy moment where I'm like feeling a little bit of like Holy Spirit drunk or like anything crazy. I'm legit like average, everyday, sober dude. And out of nowhere, I get rocked. It feels like an elephant just landed on top of me. I fall straight to the ground. I'm on the floor. And, um, I'm aware of the physical, I'm aware of my body, I'm aware of what's happening to me in, in a, in some sense, but every aspect of my being is, is transported into, uh, this desert and I'm in a desert and the sand is blowing. There's a sandstorm going on. And so I'm like both, um, I'm talking and I'm aware that, um, the, my, what we would call third years, they're like interns in the school of ministry, you know, so you do your first and second year and then your third year, you intern for somebody in the environment, a pastor, um, an evangelist, a teacher, um, a missions department, a musician, all that kind of stuff. And so the third years for Mary are all like kneeling down beside me and they're all like putting their hands on me and kind of praying for me. And I'm saying stuff. I don't remember at all what I said, but my mouth is opening and things are coming out of my mouth. But in the moment I'm, I'm in a desert and I'm staring at this cactus in the middle of this dust storm. And as I'm like staring at this cactus, um, I'm aware that I'm like soaking wet. Like my whole body is so like physically my body is soaking wet. So outside the vision, the trance, the whatever you want to call it in the physical, my body, it feels like I've either just peed gallons or an actual ocean is rushing over me. And the tide is, is straight up like the current, I should say, is pushing me to the floor of, uh, uh, of the, the sanctuary that we're in. And so I'm like getting like pressed so hard and it feels like this water's rushing over top of me and I'm like dripping wet. And I hear, uh, I hear Mary say like, look, look, look at all the gold dust. And, and what did, what was happening in the physical is, um, or I should say in the, in the vision is that I'm getting smacked by all this dust and like 
dirt and grime, but in the physical, what was happening is that literal gold was caking itself and appearing out of nowhere all over my body, so much so that my third years were scraping some of it off the back of my neck and off my head, and and I believe one of them was even putting it into a jar, like they were removing it from my body, and I'm laid out on the floor, and uh, and in this vision, and I hear the Lord say to me while I'm staring at this cactus, He says. Does a cactus know that it's in the desert? And I, you know, I thought and I, you know, I, so I said out loud in the vision, Lord, I have no idea. Like, you know, I don't know. Does a cactus know it's in a desert? Like, what kind of question is that? And he says, does a cactus know that he's in the desert? And I think about it for a second. I'm like, I don't know. And he says, no, to a cactus a desert is like a lush forest because it's built to survive in a desert because it never disconnects from its water source. And I started thinking about how cactuses retain water, you know, and, and how well they do. And so even in a desert, cactuses can grow because they don't need the things that maybe a tropical rainforest would need. And they hold water, they retain water, and their roots go down deep enough that they can hit groundwater in ways that other plants and trees can't get to. And they actually get moisture from like the dew in the air. They collect it before it even turns to rain or anything like that. So I'm like thinking about all these processes in the nat- in, in nature. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Like, yeah, to a cactus, a desert is actually a thriving forest because it's built for its environment. And so it, it doesn't know that it's in a desert. Like if you told a cactus it was in the desert, it wouldn't know what a desert was because to a cactus, that's its perfect environment. And I've had these different seasons of life where the Lord has told me that I'm certain trees and, um, which I know it might sound weird, but, but, um, and of course it's a little weird, but like in the, in the manner of like the Lord is highlighting something about a tree that's specific to the tree in nature that is an attribute of what he's highlighting in my spiritual and prophetic season. So at one point I was a pine tree at another point I was a palm tree. And, and in this season I'm a cactus and I was like, Oh wow. Okay. So this season I'm a cactus. And and he said, you're a cactus, right? So I'm like, Oh, this season's about being a cactus. And so I'm real, I'm realizing in the moment, right in this vision and and it, and it, it translates. The Lord starts talking to me about a few other things in this vision and he's talking to me about friendships and reconciliation and, and all these different things that he's highlighting. And I'm aware of like, wow, I need to stay connected to my life source. I need to stay connected to him because I'm about to be in a desert and I've probably been in a desert already, but I need to be like a cactus where I can't, I don't see a difference between the desert and the rainy season of a, you know, of a, 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 a jungle, you know, a tropical rainforest, because the, what I'm getting is coming from the same life source. And so I'm retaining what the Lord is giving me the way a cactus would and holding on to hope, holding on to all these things in a manner that actually makes me fruitful in a dry season. And 
the Lord has been highlighting this a lot to me uh, lately, you know, and this is obviously a few years ago and, and it w- really was that season. And I really learned to steward what I had in really what was a dry and tough season for me, especially with COVID, especially with, with, you know, all these people around me that, that I had so much love and respect for that were bowing their knee to um, what I saw as a demonic attack and still still believe demonically inspired attack on America, on the world, on Christians for sure, uh, that was masked as this global scamdemic. And, and because of that, and because of my firm stance against it and getting, uh, honestly losing friendships and losing influence with people because they believed in something that I thought was, was so obviously a lie and so easy to decipher as being a lie that it, it, it was just such a, such a weird season from my end to be like, okay, Lord, how do I continue to serve you and speak what you're saying and, and be a, a prophetic voice in a land where your people are so blind to even the surface level things that how could I ever explain the, th- the things of the kingdom? How could I ever explain tremendous insights that you have so lovingly gifted to me and, and commissioned me to share with the world when you know, that would be a more, that's more complex than this thing that is so obvious, you know, so obvious. And, and so, and, and I know people will look back now and they'll, they'll say like, oh, I should have known or whatever. And I'm like, it's, it's even hard for me to, to make excuses for people. Like, um, I love Joe Rogan. Um, I listen to him quite, quite often. Um, I know he's not a believer. He's a pre-believer. i I think he's going to have a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit. I believe it. But um, the man is just built as, as, like a prophet and and has such a voice. And I feel like the Lord is giving him a voice for a reason because he's going to have a, a, a miraculous encounter and be able to articulate it in a way that, that millions of people around the world have never felt like somebody was able to connect them with, uh, with them on. And because of where he is and where he's positioned, he'll be able to be that voice. But even Joe makes so many excuses for people with the pandemic and scamdemic and, and, and says things all the time where he's like, well, we didn't know then we didn't know, you know, sometimes we didn't know. And we did this and we did that. And people just didn't know. They thought it was real. They thought it was this. And I'm like, no, there was some of us there were a few of us that knew from literally the very beginning, like before the beginning, you know, like I knew in December of 2019 that the pandemic and, and COVID were, uh, not a big deal. I mean, and and to me, it wasn't even being prophetic. It was just simply like, okay, Ebola wasn't that big of a deal and they made it a pretty big deal. Um, you know, the avian flu wasn't that big of a deal. They made it a big deal. Like, all these other signs that we'd had for years that I felt like made it so obvious. And so it's just hard. I feel like for prophetic people and, you know, prophets especially, but to articulate like the ways of the kingdom for people that like couldn't see something so obvious, you know? So I don't, 
it's hard for me to make excuses for people. You know, I feel like sometimes, uh, today prophets of today, like, like, dude, I understand Moses. <laughs> I feel like a lot better, obviously, maybe not completely, but at least in the ways of like, man, he must've been so frustrated with the people. Cause he's like, you see this, you see this, you see this, like spiritual math, you know, these, these things should be like clear and obvious to them and they're not, and they're just living in chaos. And so, um, for that reason, it's just like, I have a hard time making excuses, especially for believers that fell for COVID. And, um, you know, and so I, I really don't, but, um, it's this like tough season that I see not only, uh, myself in, as I've mentioned, but also just, I've noticed this pattern that is consistent when, when the Lord takes me through a tough season, he's usually about to take the church through a tough season. And what I mean by that is usually the prophets go through seasons before the global body does. And so I know a ton of other uh, prophetic voices and prophets that have been in similar seasons that are been really hard, quite frankly, you know, for, for different reasons. And obviously they're, they're different from each other. So I'm not having the same, um, the same issues as maybe somebody else might be, or, you know, a friend of mine might be going through a different struggle than I'm, I'm having to deal with, but, uh, it's, it's consistent across the board, at least in, in like the way the Lord is ministering or the lack thereof. (laughs) And, uh, and it feels like there are definite patterns to the seasons, regardless of what the, uh, circumstances are. So, I say that to say that I think that the church itself is about to walk through what what might be a really tough season, but on the the bright side is that the prophetic voices, the prophetic people, the prophets, they've like they've made it through this season already. And so to those of you that are like you've been in a tough season, you know, and and it's lasted like you're probably a month 6, 7, 8 at this point then um Hey, you're almost out. I can feel it. We're on the we're on the uh, the horizon of a new day. Like it's uh, it's so close. It's so tangible. Um, the season's almost over. For those of you that like, maybe you're like two months, two weeks into a, a tough season. Um, then hey, I I pray right now that that your season would be uh, accelerated to mine. Uh, timeline unless it shouldn't be and uh, and there's cases for that um, you know I think, uh, I think there's cases for that we've got so many different seasons for different reasons and and don't get me wrong all good things come from the Lord but I think sometimes we don't understand what a good thing is and uh, and how could we we don't see the full picture you know just the other day I was I was pulling these lilies out of the ground and I don't know if you know much about lilies, but I really didn't. And my boss is telling me like, Hey, we're going to move some of these lilies here. We're going to leave some of them here. These are going to get pulled. These are going to stay. And, uh, you know, and, and so like, that's what I did. You know, we did sections, uh, these, these lilies stay, these lilies go. 
whatever. And then when we were done, mind you, these things are like full bloom. You know, these ain't no like fresh out of the Trader Joe's bucket lilies. These things have already gone through their summer. They've gone through a spring. They've gone through the winter. Like they've done all the things. So we, you know, we section them off and then we get them down to like what's left and of the bloomed flowers. And he goes, okay, great. You know, those lilies that you left in the ground. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, um, they're going to die and they're going to come back next spring but for that to happen, I need you to go cut them now. And so he explained to me that basically if there's too much decay attached, like if a lily's in full bloom and it dies, if there's so much death attached to the end of that root, it will make it harder for that lily to regrow in a growth season, in a spring season because it suffered too much decay. And, and you know, when I was doing that, the Lord was talking to me about bitterness and like all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow, you actually bring the clippers, you bring the hedge cutters, you bring the lawnmower, you know, whatever it is to cut us, not to hurt us, but actually so that we'll be able to sustain our own growth. And so that we don't get so built up with bitterness about what could have been, you're preparing us for the hard seasons, you know? And I think if the Lord didn't didn't uh, cut us down a little bit, and then we went into a hard season, like, man, that's even harder, you know? It feels like that would be way more difficult. On the bright side of the way things are done, like, you get cut down a little bit, you get trimmed up, you get cleaned up, you know, you, you get used to this new, this new side of you. It's like a little bit like, you know, I don't want to say bruised and battered, but kind of bruised and battered, you know, and, and then boom, then you're in a tough season. Well, now the season's way easier to handle because you're already like, oh, wow, I'm prepared for this. And maybe, I don't think we think of that all the time in the moment, but it's true nonetheless. Like we're, we're both totally unprepared all the time and somehow prepared most of the time, you know, like in the spirit, we're prepared. Like the Lord has already prepared us. So anyway, I hope that that blesses you today. Um, and if you fell for COVID, I hope that you won't fall for it again, that all the spiritual mysteries of the kingdom will come to you fresh fresh and uh, fiery and um, if you didn't fall for any of that stuff then God bless you and thank you for keeping a watch with me it's nice it's nice to know people that uh, that saw through you know even if you were a late bloomer if it took you a few months to catch on you fell for it initially it's all right you know it's okay as long as you uh, eventually got to the point where you're like, all right, yeah, clearly this is a lie because billions of people didn't die. Hey, it rhymes. Must be a pretty good time. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out, people. I'm out. This is the end of broadcast. Say your prayers. What's up, party people? 
Thanks for listening to the Jesus is Supernatural podcast. This podcast was edited and produced by Nikeo Productions. To check out other shows by Nikeo, just search Nikeo Productions wherever you listen to podcasts.